Sue. So as Sue mentioned earlier, I'm speaking on Priscilla in this series of Women of the Bible. And while I was preparing on Priscilla, I really felt this word devoted. She was a woman devoted to God, devoted to the church, devoted to her friends. And so this is what kept resonating in my heart as I read about her. Now, devotion is quite a strong emotion. And it causes us to do things that are unreasonable. Devotion causes us to see beyond. And so I was reminded when Henny and I started our relationship 39 years ago that I lived and worked in Joburg and Henny lived and worked in Petersburg. We did not have any money. It's very difficult to have a long-distance relationship without money. <laughs> and I remember Henny would, would hike all the way from Petersburg to come and see me. And so he would leave after work on a Friday and um, get to Joburg. I don't know when because we didn't have cell phones. We had to chat on a ticky box. So for some of you who don't know what that is, you'll have to come ask me later. But I wouldn't know what time he would arrive because sometimes he, it would be easy to get a lift and other times he needed five rides to get to Joburg. And sometimes it meant we could only visit on a Saturday. And then Sunday he's got to go back because Mondays work. And while this was going on, I decided, I think I should get a second job. That way I can earn a little bit of extra money because I don't have anything else to do in the week. <laughs> and so I would go and work in the week with a second job to earn some money. And I just thought, were we crazy when I was thinking about this? I thought, were we lunatics? I mean, this devotion we had for each other to just get together and to be with each other was driving us. And this is what I see in Priscilla. What happens is we become unreasonable in what we do for God. We push the boundaries. We push the limits. No price is too high. We will go above and beyond. And so before I dig into the life of Priscilla and we have a look at her and how she can challenge us, I want to introduce a friend of mine, Lusanda. Lusanda, if you'll come stand here by me. I've asked her to come and share a short testimony of her ministry of just what she does for God. Lusanda is married to Joseph Dlamini and they are blessed with four daughters. Poor Joseph. Aish. Aish. 
uh, they're all drama queens. <laughs> they live in Eden Glen and they lead Gateway City Church in Alexandra. Together they serve on the global team of NCMI. Lusanda is also building up her own training and coaching business. She loves to see women grow in the truths of God. And over the last year, I have seen her step out to create opportunities for ladies. And I'm excited to see what God will continue to do through you, Lucinda. Thank you for being such a blessing. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, Zelda, for that beautiful introduction. And thank you, ladies, for having me today. I'll just jump straight to it so that I don't take much of Zelda's time. I'm already excited about her preach. Um, my, my word that I got in my heart for quite a season now for the ladies was rise up. I feel God is really commissioning and positioning ladies to, to really rise up in his kingdom. And when I got saved, just to share a bit, um, one of the prophetic words that I was given in a church I was part of um, was that God has called me to bring many to Jesus, and I shouldn't disqualify myself because Jesus has qualified me. But I didn't even know what that meant because um, I was just saved for probably a week or so. Um, but as I digged into the word and I served in the church and I fellowshiped with um, Christians, I got to understand um, a word that I feel for us today, which is Ephesians 2 verse 10. We, and I'll read it. I'm sure we know it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And this was marinated in my heart. There was an understanding in my heart that I am chosen by God, him being the holy God, powerful God, and able God has chosen to partner with me to advance his kingdom. That alone is a privilege and honor. And I got to understand that with time as I walked with the Lord. And um, the Lord obviously has his plans and we have our own plans. And my plans obviously fall away. They didn't go the way I wanted. First of all, I never saw myself marrying a pastor. So that was shock number one. I never saw myself leading a church. That was major shock number two. Because I have a past, you see. We have a blended family, and I came with two kids to my marriage. My husband came with one kid and um, one daughter, and we have a seven-year-old daughter. So I thought ladies like me can maybe work in corporate, but not really in the ministry in the office of the church. But God, by giving his only son to us, dying on the cross, his blood coming out of him, defeating death, raised up and coming to dwell in us, well, we have no business to look down on that cross by disqualifying ourselves. So when God put us in Alexandria to lead a church, I was quite nervous because I'm confrontational and all these things that we see them as a bit of... Um, 
not a strength, more of a weakness, especially in the context I'm in. I was used to pastor's wives in the context. We look down. You don't say anything out of place. But God said to me, I've called you to minister to ladies, to put fire in them, to tell them, I'm saying, rise up. But he didn't stop there. Because even before that, he had planted these ideas for me to birth this ministry called Women of Reverence for women from all generations, all churches, all cultures, all races. And you're thinking, and how am I going to do this? But God, being God, said to me, it's not about you. It's not about glorifying your name. It's not about your ability. It's not about your resources. It's about me. So when you, God shows you where he's taking you, you have to be brave. You have to step out of the boat. You have to risk with him. You have to walk on water. Sometimes feel like you're failing. But he has never failed. You don't look at your reputation. You don't look at your shortcomings. You don't look at your ability. You look to him. Storms will come. He promised us in Genesis 3, ladies, out of all the people that should know this, is us. 15 to 16, when he said, there'll be enmity between us and the enemy. Us as women, when we give birth, will we'll fill the pain. So I loved Nick, Nick's, um, Nick's word, that when you birth the things of the supernatural, when you birth the things of God, expect labor pains. Don't think that it won't come with pain because God has purposed it. It will definitely come with pain because the enemy will come and distract. The enemy will come and discourage. The enemy will come and tell you you're not qualified. The enemy will show you things that God has not said. It's up to you. The old saying, whose report are you going to believe? And friends, when you step out for God, it's not the nicest thing. Because the flesh feels pain, but the spirit rises, the joy rises, hope rises. And God takes care of everything. We are in a context that is difficult, I don't want to lie. A context that just by driving in there, you see poverty, you see demonic in the natural, you see cults, you see everything that can discourage you. But is it for you? Or are you willing to rise up for God? It was not easy for the people like Priscilla and, his, and her husband Aquila. Sometimes they had to be tent making. Sometimes maybe churches blessed them. Sometimes they met with the enemy in different ways, being attacked. Anyhow. So I don't want to make it rosy. But it was not rosy for Jesus when he died for you on the cross. He actually cried. He felt forsaken. He sweated blood. Are you willing to partner with God and pay the price? Because you know your reward in heaven is bigger. And you'll be with the king of kings in heaven. 
So I would love to leave us as I close with four ladies that really encourage me that every woman from all walks of life, different generations, different races, different um, backgrounds can serve God. One is Rispa. You will find in 2 Samuel chapter 21 verse 10. She was Saul's concubine who lost two sons after there was famine. And she, um, David and the Gibbonites hanged two sons and the other five siblings. She sat on the rock from one season to the next, took her garment of grief, which is a sackcloth, and put it on the rock until those two sons were given a dignified funeral. Ladies, when you rise up for God, there'll be seasons where it's difficult. When you need to sit on that uncomfortable rock, which is Jesus. When you're thinking he's not hearing my prayers, he's not seeing what I'm going through, and you need to sit on that rock. Second lady, Jael, Judges 4, we know her. She was just an ordinary woman, married to um, men that was actually friends with the enemy of um, the Israelites, King Heber, and had oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. But when Sisera came into her tent, she decided immediately to partner with God. She decided immediately to rise up with God and murdered Sisera. And the Israelites were saved and they were free after 20 years of oppression. Are you willing immediately, now, today, to partner with God? Third lady, Deborah, we know her. She was in the marketplace, a prophetess, a judge. But she knew she was called even in the marketplace. In the marketplace, are you a career woman? Are you running a small business from home? Whatever you are doing, are you encouraging your husband, if he's running a business, to advance the kingdom and partner with the church so that the name of Jesus is known? The last lady, I would love to us to look at it as our loving Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was a young woman. Commentary said she was 13 teenager, getting married, life in place. We love planning. Life in place, engaged to Joseph. Joseph. So I don't know how I got to Joseph, but anyway. Joseph, beautiful lineage, coming from the lineage of King David, just perfect. And then Gabriel comes and changes things. You are chosen. You are favored. You're going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to a son of God. I'm a teenager. How can I get pregnant from the Holy Spirit? What am I going to say to my fiance? What is the world going to say? Those are the questions that come when God comes and intervenes in our plans. But she said, I'm just a servant. Let it be unto me as you say. And the supernatural happened. And me and you today can gather because she said yes. Are you willing to say yes? Not for your breakthrough, but for the breakthrough of the other lady who's not here today. Because their breakthrough is sitting in your yes today.
Amen. Let's rise up, ladies. Wow. Thanks, Lysander. I knew why the Lord had put you on my heart. Um, so many women in the Bible that were just devoted followers and carried so much in their hearts. Just on a practical note, I just want to give us some background about Priscilla and Aquila from Acts 18 before I get into the heart of my message. So in Acts 17, we see Paul. He's in Athens. He's sharing the gospel. He's preaching in the synagogue, and he has quite a bit of resistance. He then decides to go to the city of Corinth, and there in Corinth, his path crosses with Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila were in Rome, and Claudius exiled all the Jews, and um, they also decided to go to Corinth. Now, Corinth was a business hub like Johannesburg, and um, as they arrived there and meeting with Paul, they started to work together. Now, we're not sure whether Priscilla and Aquila were actually saved when they arrived in Corinth, or did they get saved under the ministry of Paul? But they began to partner with Paul, and Paul being a dynamic man, they sat under his ministry. And for 18 months, he lived with them. And that does give us an idea of what kind of woman Priscilla was. She worked beside her husband in the business. She looked after their home. She was devoted to the church. And they continued to grow. Then Paul decides to leave Corinth and go to Ephesus. And Priscilla and Aquila pack up again and go with Paul to Ephesus. And in Ephesus, they meet a man named Apollos. And I'd like us to read from Acts 18, verses 24 to 26. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. They were impressed by this man, Apollos. But what they realized was that he was lacking in his knowledge of God. And he was preaching the baptism that John the Baptist was preaching of repentance And Jesus had already died, been buried, and resurrected. And so Priscilla and Aquila took Apollos aside and gave him a greater revelation of what Jesus actually came to do. And so Apollos now, having a a 
new revelation goes off to Corinth. And there his ministry really takes off. What I love about Priscilla and Aquila, they see this man, Apollos. And they connect with him and they disciple him. And us together in church, it's one of the things that we call to. We called in our friendship with each other to disciple each other. So then after being in Ephesus for a while and having the church in their house, Priscilla and Aquila pack up again and they go back to Rome. And so here you just see this flexibility to be inconvenienced and to pack up and to move every time that they were led to move. That takes devotion to uproot yourself every time, to pack up and to go. And so what I see about Priscilla, there's this woman that is devoted to her husband. She's devoted to their purpose as a couple. She's devoted to the church. She's devoted to the word of God, devoted to prayer, devoted to fellowship, devoted to her friends, and surrendered to suffering. And you go, what? We have to speak about suffering? Hang on a minute. I think let's just stop the bus right here so that I can get off. I know that Priscilla and Aquila embraced suffering because they were ready to give their lives for Paul. In Romans 16, 3 to 5, it says, Paul writes, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Now, we don't exactly know what they did for Paul, but they were prepared to put their lives on the line. That's how deep their devotion went. And when I was reading about this, I was reminded about a story that I'd read a few years ago about the church in China that is underground, and that the church in China consists of house churches, just like Priscilla and Aquila. And I read in the LA Times that they predict by the year 2030, China will have more Christians than any other country in the world. This is from a church that is operating underground. And one of the pastors was asked, why do you believe that the church in China is flourishing? And he said, we lost our whole DNA when we were forced back underground. It was so refreshing. The pastor continued, we got our DNA back because the underground church was built upon five pillars. One, we were devoted to the word of God. Two, we were deeply devoted to prayer. Three, we expected every single believer to be out sharing the gospel. Four, there was a regular expectation of miracles. Five, 
we embraced suffering for the glory of Christ. Oh, I was challenged when I read this. We embraced suffering for the glory of Christ. Isn't that what Priscilla and Aquila did? They devoted, they were devoted to the word, they were devoted to the church. They were devoted to making Jesus' name known. And from this place of devotion, there came an expectation in their hearts. And what flowed from that devotion was this need to share the gospel. It flows from us when we are devoted to Jesus. It becomes natural. We begin to expect miracles and we embrace suffering. And yes, we do live in a world with so much suffering. We all have friends who just live in a place of pain. We have friends who are just struggling with so many things, families that are falling apart, people who can't find jobs. We don't have to look for suffering. It's all around us. But we have something the rest of the world don't have. In 1 Peter 1, 3 to 7, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Why are we looking to our circumstances to make us feel better? Why are we so concerned about what is happening in the world right now? Isn't it life? But we have something the world doesn't have. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Yes, we get grieved. Our hearts become sad. We carry something but it doesn't define me. So that tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, your faith is being tested, it's being developed, it's being established, is more precious than gold. That perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that tell me? It tells me in my suffering, in my trials and my testing, Jesus comes and he makes my faith strong. He makes my faith genuine. I know that when this word speaks, I know it. I step into it. I want it. 
to embrace suffering and to find joy in hardship opposes everything that is natural in our world of understanding. It opposes it. It doesn't sound right. To many of us, and even when I was preparing this word, I felt, I said to Henny last night, I said, I don't know, I don't know if I can actually say this, that when the word speaks, we need to act, ladies. We need to step into it. What are we waiting for? Let's move. Let's get in there. Suffering is mentioned in nearly every single book of the New Testament. And we were not promised that this wouldn't happen, but we were promised that he would be with us. And as we walk with him, because our faith is being tested, we will see the strength of our faith. And in the strength of faith, the revelation of Jesus begins to shine through. He shines. In my place of suffering, he shines. And the world goes, what happened? The revelation of Jesus compels us to rejoice and to raise his name and bring glory to him. What an honor. What an honor when things are falling to pieces and I stand up and I go for him and him alone. My situation, my circumstances will not dictate to me. Jesus, you do. Let us think about the Chinese Christians. What makes them unstoppable? If you have a group of people who embrace suffering, how can anyone influence them? How can anyone stop them? What's going to get in your way? You're not shaken. When we are steadfast in our faith, the suffering will come. Society has taught us to do everything possible so that you don't suffer. Have a good bank account. You know, drive nice cars. Do all of these things and you'll be fine. But I know that the Holy Spirit is my comforter. And he doesn't comfort me when I'm comfortable. He comforts me when I'm uncomfortable. He comforts me when I am disturbed. He comforts me when I am weak. I need him. I have to rely on him. You know, Priscilla and Aquila were devoted to their friends. And really, this is such a challenge for me. We need to walk this, this privilege of getting together and to see each other. We have such a responsibility to carry each other. Not only in word, but in prayer. And when you're struggling for me to come beside you and to speak life into your situation... Because times do get tough, but we need each other. We need to disciple each other. 
Why were Priscilla and Aquila able to lay down their lives? They knew the word of God. I actually cannot emphasize this enough, that we need to be in the word, digging into it, eating it, tasting it, knowing it. Because if you don't know it, you cannot walk into it. And we are called to walk it out. They believed and walked in the truth of what God's word said. In John 7, 37 to 38, we are assured of the sufficiency of Jesus in our lives. And when we choose the devoted life, we become a testimony of God's goodness. We become a testimony of the power of faith. We become a testimony of the victory over suffering, and we become a blessing to the lost and broken world. Let's read John 7, 37 to 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, if any one of you are thirsty, come drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, will flow rivers of living water. And for the last year, that's been one of my favorite, favorite verses, is that my cry has been, Lord, I want to be that. I want rivers. I don't want a little stream or a little treacle. I want rivers, rivers of living water to flow from me. If he is my sufficiency, if he is my everything, it will flow from me. God's word leads us to action. And I just loved what Lusanda had to say about these women and that we need to rise up. We need to rise up and take hold of the things of God. Paul didn't want suffering for the sake of suffering, but he wanted suffering because he wanted Jesus. In Philippians 3 verse 8, Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Let go of everything. And I feel like it's something that the Lord just wants to do in our hearts today. That word that Nick's brought, those labor pains. It's time, ladies. It's time for us to step out. And you may not be someone that's been called to plant a church or go on a mission trip to outer Mongolia somewhere. In your environment, you have many opportunities just to speak of God's goodness. Paul knew the worth of suffering. And we need that revelation. We need the revelation that it's, it's worth. It carries 
a lot of weight. I get the impression that Paul actually desired suffering. If you read what he says in Philippians, I get this impression that he desired suffering just so that he could know Jesus better. Just sounds crazy, but that's what devotion does. We begin to behave in a manner that you cannot explain. And so devotion to Jesus will make you do the unimaginable, the impossible, and the great. And so, Lucinda, I want to ask you if you'll come and pray for us. And I want to ask if you would like just a touch this morning, just to receive from the Lord, just to be empowered and strengthened. I want to ask if you want to stand. And as you stand, I want to ask you if you want to receive from the Lord this morning. If it's just been a place where it's been a little bit dry and you just want that passion of the Lord just to fill your heart again, that devotion just to overflow, that joy can just overflow in you. I want to ask you, just put your hands out as though you're about to receive a gift and close your eyes. I do not want you to pray while Lusanda is praying for us. I want you to set your gaze on Jesus. Set your heart on him and let him just come and touch each one of us. Before I pray, I just feel to share this quote by Dr. Miles Mandrew. He said, the graveyard is the richest place in the surface of the earth. There lay sermons that were not preached. There lay songs that were not sung. There lay ideas that were not harnessed. There lay um, drama pieces that were not um, performed. There lay books that were not written. I don't know about you, but my Jesus that I serve defeated the death, defeated the grave. I have no place in committing to make the graveyard rich instead of making his kingdom wealthy. So Father, right now, as ladies, as we lift up our hands, we pray, Lord, that you ignite fire in our hearts, that we may make your kingdom as wealthy as we can, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, for each and every lady here that has something that you have given them in this season, even today as you have spoken to us individually and corporately. May your fire come and light, Lord, what you have deeply deposited in each heart, Lord. Holy Spirit, you promise us in your word that where two or more are gathered in your name, you are in the midst. We ask you, Holy Spirit, right now to move among us as we lift up our hands and we surrender to you, Lord Jesus, and we say, do unto us. As you please, Holy Spirit. We ask more of you, Holy Spirit. Follow upon us, O oh fresh, O oh God. 
Anoint us, Lord. Fresh anointing upon us, Lord. Ignite dreams that were dead, Lord. Purposes that were not clear, may you make them clear today, Lord. Conviction that was not there, may it come and be clear today, my God. Where our eyes have been blind, may you open them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Where our ears were not hearing your voice, may you come and unplug whatever is closing. In the mighty name of Jesus, where our mouths were closed, may you come and give us fresh words. And may we know we have a voice in your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Father, today we ask, Lord, that you refresh us. We ask that you bless us with fresh authority from heaven to minister your word in a way that is pleasing and glorifying to you only, Jesus. Father, may you create such a hunger to read your word and not just read, but to obey and do in Jesus' name. Father, we bless you. We give you all the glory and we welcome testimonies and breakthrough of ladies that will feel free from today to do as you have said in Jesus' name. Amen.